Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Special Edition. A weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Welcome to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, we're going to find out about legalizing adult-use cannabis in Pennsylvania. Many of our surrounding states have already done so. The discussion here continues. Odyssey's Nikki Stone recently spoke with Jennifer Seek, advocate and volunteer for Perfectly Normal, and Robert Rudnitsky, executive director of Philly Normal and co-founder of Perfectly Normal. They talk about where the legislation is now and the importance of allowing residents to grow and process cannabis as a way of promoting small business growth in the Commonwealth. You don't have to walk far to appreciate all the miles your feet take you in a day. Don Webster, Advanced Practice Clinician Director with MedExpress, is here to give us some guidelines on how our shoes should fit to keep your feet happy and in tip-top shape. Starting us off on Special Edition, get on your bikes and ride. California may have Route 66, but here in Pennsylvania, we have Route 6. Candace Hilliard is the Executive Director, Pennsylvania Route 6 Alliance, U.S. Route 6 Tourist Association, Pennsylvania Division. She takes us on a ride from Northeast Pennsylvania to Erie. And it's not only for bikes, but motorcycles, cars, and walkers, too. Candace, welcome. So excited to find out about PA Route 6 and the Bike Friendly Business Program. But first... Tell us who the PA Route 6 Alliance is. Sure. The PA Route 6 Alliance is one of the um, designated heritage areas in Pennsylvania. Um, So we cover from Erie all the way to the Poconos. So the 11 counties that go through uh, Route 6 in its entirety. So all of the counties that go across the whole entire route. So is it possible to bike from Erie? Route 6 actually is um, a transcontinental highway, so it goes all the way from California, and it it goes, it's just a piece. Pennsylvania is just a piece of Route 6, but yes, you can definitely cycle. So Route 6 is 427 miles, and it goes 6 and 6N. Um, You can travel it all in its entirety. It's also designated as a bike route Y and U.S. Bike Route 36. We have many bicycle enthusiasts through Throughout our area. What would they find if they go to PA Route 6 right here 
They're going to find many things. There's a many small shops, um, friendly communities, wineries, breweries, many different attractions. Um, Steamtown is one of our one of our favorites over in your area. When people are thinking about this and they're hearing this for the first time, just here in our area, is there a starting point? You mentioned Steamtown, so that's in the Scranton area. Would that be considered the one of the starting areas? So there's actually many different different loops. The so Route 6, you can travel the entire route, but there's also many gravel loops that take you off of Route 6 that are on our Ride with GPS page. So there's several different loops out there that can be explored, and or you can go from town to town. Now, you mentioned a page, so that must mean you have a website. Can you start us off by giving that information to our listeners? Sure. Uh, we have uh, the website. So we have the ultimate Route 6 experience. So um, you can go on the website and check us out at paroute6.com. There's two different pages. One is for businesses to learn more about the bike-friendly program for businesses. And there's also a resource page that is specific um, for cyclists that will link you right to our Ride with GPS page, as well as where attractions, things to stop at um, along your route. There's bicycle shops in case you um, need, are in need of a repair. Uh, we have some bike events, organizations. So there's a ton of different um, resources, safety information um, to find. And it's right just a couple of clicks right on our website. If bicyclists, you mentioned the fact that there were some, there are places along the way, especially if you need some help with your bike or whatever, and businesses, how do businesses get involved in this? Yeah, so cycling is one of the fastest growing outdoor recreation activities um, in, in Pennsylvania, especially since the, the COVID pandemic. We're really seeing an uptick of cyclists and outdoor recreation, people just wanting to get out and get some fresh air. So what we did in 2019, we had a bike tourism specialist come out to our area and we had workshops in locations across the route. And we've came across that we had some to fill for cyclists and for businesses. So um, businesses can find more information about the website, but we have cyclists coming in, but we need to know what's the best way to accommodate them. And there's a checklist of things for businesses to to look at just so they can self-assess themselves to see how bike friendly they currently are. And that word can probably get kind of intimidating. It's not a lot that you have to, to worry about, but do you, do you offer a free water bottle refill? Um, do you have a public restroom? If you're a lodging, do you offer um, a cyclist to bring their bike in directly into the room? And especially if you are in a town or in a community or shopping along one of the shops, do you have parking for cyclists? Do you have some a safe place for the cyclist to park their, their bicycle while they come in and shop. Does the business offer shipping? Typically when cyclists are coming in, they're coming in what they have on their backs. So they're, um, they're eating typically more healthy. Do you offer some snacks for them, some grab and go? Do businesses offer shipping for the merchandise to, to send things back to their, their home? Because they don't have a lot of storage on their bicycles as they're coming into town. I'm amazed that all of that would be taken into consideration because I, that's not something we think about every day, but you're absolutely right. So there are places along the, the route that would accommodate bicyclists if they wanted to do the whole run from our area all the way to Erie? There are, and there are a lot of businesses out there right now that currently 
are accommodating to cyclists, one of them being the bicycle shops. You know, there are low-hanging fruit. So they're the first people that we have reached out to to become bicycle friendly. So this is a program that we've just rolled out just this spring. And we have about six businesses that have gone through the, the program. And it's, it takes about 15 minutes to complete, so it's not that long. And then you have a self-assessment that you just for additional things that you could be providing. But yes, across the route, as businesses become bike-friendly, we are going to be putting them on our website so cyclists can search for the businesses that are particularly bike-friendly. And I'm on the website right now, and there is a link to something called Bicycle PA Route Y. And I see that it starts in Pike County. It goes through Lackawanna, as you mentioned, by Steamtown, into Wyoming, Mm -hmm. into Bradford, then we're into Tioga. So when you're starting in that area, you can actually see from beginning to end. What a way to be able to plan a trip. Absolutely. And that's one of uh, Pennsylvania's designated bike route Y. So their website is also on our website. And you can, if you're looking at the state designated bike routes. So, and there is signage. So if you look for the green and white signage, it is along the route. You mentioned the fact of gravel. So I'm not familiar with that. There may be many bicyclists who are saying, oh, I know exactly what Candace is talking about. But what is, where does that come into play? Yeah, so cyclists are looking for multiple experiences. If, if you're a family, as you may be going on the rail trails. If you're riding alone or with a group, you could be riding across Route 6. That is a paved route. But since more and more of the cyclists are coming to our area, the gravel grinding is more of a hot topic now where they're looking for the dirt. You know, they're looking for the gravel they're using township roads out through the trails, through the woods on the state forest through the state parks. So it's it's not just along the straight uh, Route 6. It's also coming off the, the Route 6 out into the out into the gravel. That must be something that, again, is well marked because if you're going off the main road, that would be a little bit more maybe confusing. It is confusing. And as of now, typically when you're out looking, um, you're not going to see signage out on the gravel loops. So that is where you have a couple platforms to look at. So through our website, we have some itineraries and also go through a couple different platforms such as Ride with GPS. We have collected an inventory of about 90 loops across the Route 6 corridor and we have them copied into our Ride with GPS. So it's just a few clicks away where you can kind of plan your trip before you get here. And I know that, of course, we're talking bicycles, but I also see on the website that there is a link for motorcyclists as well. Yes. Yeah, so Route 6 is um, it's multimodal. You can walk, you can bike, you can use a, a bicycle, a motorcycle, um, a car. So Route 6 is, is good for all different types of however you want to make your trip. It's not just limited to, to one. So we, we do have motorcycle loops that are out in your area. We have a really great loop. It's the Pocono Mountain Loop. Uh, we also have an Endless Mountains Loop. And there are also those itineraries on our, on our website as well. The website is fantastic. There's so many things here just to, to be able to look at. Heritage communities, they're pretty cool too. They are. We have several heritage communities over. We have Milford, Holly, White Mills, Honesdale, Waymark, Carbondale, Tonkanic, Wyalusing. Mm-hmm. Many heritage communities across the route. What is the bark if for, for people who might be going there? Sure, they're very friendly, very accommodating. 
And I'm guessing that they probably have a lot of history that especially if someone is interested in learning more about where they're riding, that would be probably the places to go. Yes, each of the each of our heritage communities have a lot of history and heritage to be seen in the in each of these communities. Again, if someone would like to be able to get all this information, I know that there are many places on the website. So, if you could again give us the website and what would people do in order to get more information about this? Because we could have listeners who are listening from anywhere that they might like to be able to come here. Sure. So our website is paroute6.com. You can go through our contact page or you can go right to the Bike Friendly Business Program page. You can go ahead and search it. And there's also it links on our main page. Our website, paroute6.com. You can search the Bike Friendly Program for Businesses or you can look for the Ultimate Route 6 Road Trip. It certainly opens up so many avenues for local bicyclists and motorcyclists as well as any who may be listening to us. Yeah, plan your trip on Pennsylvania Route 6. Or if you like uh, wineries or breweries or if you're into the foodie, whatever you're interested in, there's many different characters across the Route 6 corridor. We also have an artisan trail. So that's also on our website as well. So if you're looking for things that are made on Route 6, we have a really great directory of things that are made locally. This website is fantastic. I mean, there's everything there that you could ever want to be able to know about any of these areas. So even if you're not biking or motorcycling, is there walking availability throughout there as well? Oh, absolutely. There's many of the heritage communities have um, walking tour maps where you can learn about the history and heritage in each of their communities through the walking tour maps. Candace, you're telling me that you could use some help from bicyclists. How do they do that? So we have an initiative where we are looking to do six signature bike loops across Route 6. So cyclists can sign up to become loop testers and PA Route 6 Bike PA Bike PA 6 Insiders. So that is, information is also on our website at paroute6.com. Thanks once again to Candace Hilliard, Executive Director, Pennsylvania Route 6 Alliance, U.S. Route 6 Tourist Association, Pennsylvania Division, for all the great information on Route 6 from Northeast Pennsylvania to Erie. And of course, you can find out more by visiting route6pa.com. Now, don't go away. You don't have to walk that far to appreciate all the miles your feet take you in a regular day. How to keep them happy? We'll find out next on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Sometimes we don't think about our feet until they give us a problem. And then we can't get from here to there. And you don't have to walk very far to appreciate all your feet do for you in a day. Dawn Webster, Advanced Practice Clinician Director with MedExpress is here, and she gives us some guidelines on how our shoes should fit to keep your feet happy and in tip-top shape. For those of us who like to get outside, we have to be concerned about our feet. How do we know what is the best type of shoe for our feet? How do we know what fits for what? So the best thing to do would be to go to a shoe store and get measured. So there are so many people that are actually wearing the wrong size shoe. In feet size, it changes. Um, Women, after they have babies, a lot of times their feet can go up a whole size. Children's feet change 
incredibly quick. And even as you get older and your ligaments start to relax, it can cause your feet to get wider. So the, the most important thing I would say is if you're having foot pain, go to a shoe store, get your foot measured because you may be buying the entirely wrong size of shoe. And even if you're not buying the wrong size, different shoes fit differently. So it's best to not try to order those shoes online, to go to the store and try them on because a certain brand of shoe may run small, may run big. So it really is best to try them on before buying them. When you're looking at shoes, so many of them say they go for every activity that you want. Is that necessarily true? They may be designed for every activity, but each person is different. So now when you look at shoes, you have to look at your actual foot. Do you have a high arch? Do you have no arch? Are your feet wide? Are your feet narrow? Do you have weak ankles? So there's so many factors. So really it is best to kind of look at all of your body mechanics. And and most people don't do that. Most people just look at the shoes, say, oh, I like the color of that one. I'll take that. But trying them on, seeing which ones have better arch support if you need it or no arch support if you don't, that's really the most important thing. And then when you are looking at activities like hiking that are very specific, you do want to try to buy hiking shoes or boots that are going to give you more ankle support because they are looking at the terrain you're on. Whereas if you're just using them where to the grocery store and to run errands, you don't need to worry about that. Well, when we're talking about shoes, you're absolutely right. We go in, we pick out something, at least many of us do, and it's the right color or it's cute or it'll go with everything. So what happens to our feet if we buy in that case for those reasons? Are we damaging our feet? So right now, one of the in-style shoes are the, the tight pointy toed shoes. I mean, just by looking at them, you can tell they are going to squeeze your toes together. Over time, that can lead to things like ingrown toenails to a condition called hammer toes or even neuromas, which are essentially um, compression of nerves in your toes. If you do want to wear those shoes, I would say it's most important to kind of remember to wear them as minimal as possible. If you have to walk to get to work or from the parking lot, to your desk, put tennis shoes on, bring those shoes with you, and then change into them once you get to where you're going. Or if you can try to avoid those styles in general, especially if you have any of those conditions I mentioned to start, because they're certainly not going to get any better by wearing shoes that are tight or pointy. Is it possible that shoes could have something to do with other things that are going on in your body? For example, back pain. Yes, especially when you look at flat shoes, so flip-flop, the just walking around tennis shoes, any shoes with no support can be damaging to your hips, to your back, even your feet, like plantar fasciitis. So you can do things when it comes to flat shoes, like buy orthopedic inserts to help with arch support and general foot support. But they also really do make a lot of shoes now, even flip-flops, that do provide the support that will help prevent or even improve the knee and hip and lower back pain you can get when you do wear shoes that don't have, you know, the support that you need. Talking specifically about arch support, we hear it so much. We are also seeing those in ads. So how do you even know you may have a flat foot 
or that you might require an arch in your shoe? The easiest way would be to go to a shoe store. They now have the machines that you stand on. They will look at your arch. They will look at your foot. And then they, they're going to tell you, you know, are you a pronator? You know, when you walk, does your arch flatten? Do you have feet that naturally have high arches? So every type of foot needs a different type of support. And if you don't have access to that sort of thing, um, one of the things you can do is when you get out of the shower and your feet are wet and you walk, what does your footprint look like? Does it look like the standard one that you would see that have, you know, like no arch or does it look like a duck? So there are ways to look not officially, but the best way would be to truly go to a foot store and and have your foot analyzed. One of the other things we also see are orthopedic shoes. What does that mean? Orthopedic shoes are typically the shoes that have those inserts in them already. Or they have the sole that comes out so that you can remove that sole and put your insert in it. There's multiple options when it comes to orthopedic shoes. But again, it's all going to depend on what you need and, and what your actual foot needs are. And then the other thing is we also hear a lot about diabetic footwear. So diabetics are especially prone to foot issues because of their peripheral neuropathy because they can't feel their feet. So a lot of times they will get ulcers, they will get inburned toenails, they will get blisters, and they won't feel them. So their shoes are especially cushioning so that it's going to help avoid any type of injuries or ingrown toenails. And it also kind of gives them the added support that they need because they're not feeling the bottoms of their feet. Let's wrap it up. You give our listeners the good advice that keep our feet happy. Yes. So the best thing to do would be to look at your feet, look at your foot needs, and to really try to buy footwear that's going to help your body's alignment. And if you are going to start doing any type of activities like running or walking, to go to a shoe store, get your foot analyzed, and get a pair of shoes that are going to help you prevent injuries or issues down the road with your knees or your hips or your back. Thanks again to Don Webster, Advanced Practice Clinician Director with MedExpress, and the great guidelines on how our shoes should fit so your feet will be happy and be in tip-top shape. Coming up next on Special Edition, many of our surrounding states have legalized adult-use cannabis. The discussion about its legalization continues here in Pennsylvania. We're going to find out where that discussion is and why it's important to allow residents to grow and process cannabis as a way of promoting small business growth across the state. Next on Special Edition. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Now on special edition, many of our surrounding states have legalized adult use cannabis. The discussion about its legalization here in Pennsylvania continues. Odyssey's Nikki Stone recently spoke with Jennifer Seek, advocate and volunteer for Perfectly Normal, and Robert Rudnitsky, executive director of Philly Normal and co-founder for Perfectly Normal. They talk about where the legislation in Pennsylvania is currently and the importance of allowing residents to grow and process cannabis as a way of promoting small business growth in Pennsylvania. You can check out their website, phillynormal.org, and that's N-O-R-M-L, or perfectlynormal.info, and that's N-O-R-M-A-L. I have Jennifer Seek from Normal in here. N-O-R-M-L is the organization. Philadelphia is uh, where their headquarters are, but you are a local girl. Yes, I am. You live. Luzerne County. Luzerne County. And your position with Normal is? I'm the outreach coordinator. Uh, and this is an organization that fights for the right um, of uh, marijuana use. Yes. You want recreational marijuana to be legal? Yes. We basically any um, laws that revolve around marijuana, we try to advocate for people. Now, you don't strike me as your average ordinary pot smoker. Uh, Was that a prerequisite for getting the job? Uh, no. I mean, it's always kind of been in my life. My fiance of 16 years is a medical marijuana patient, and I actually ended up uh, becoming a patient myself with a, the PA medical marijuana program. Mm-hmm. But it's not like something that I use my whole entire life. Why is it not just good enough that marijuana is medically available? Why do we need to have recreational marijuana? Well, there's still boundaries for people trying to get into the medical marijuana program. Um, You do have to have certain conditions that are listed in order to get in. There's people that can't afford to go even see a qualifying doctor. Do you think that recreational marijuana, being that it's going through the state and going to be taxed and everything is going to be affordable for people that way too if yes. it's possible yes i think that's going to actually make it more affordable for everyone even the medical marijuana patients part of the, the issue i know i'm looking at an article here in front of me the cdc has recorded 107,000 overdose deaths in the last year and one of our major problems is fentanyl the stuff that's being bought on the street right now is not only laced with fentanyl but spice and all different kinds right. of and you don't know what, kind of, what they're putting on it when it's legalized hopefully we can avoid these problems of course but what do you think the government's going to treat it like they do cigarettes tobacco in itself it doesn't have all these chemicals in in it when you roll your owner you're talking fresh tobacco but all of a sudden in our cigarettes today, right. they are filled with all kinds of carcinogens beyond mm-hmm. the tobacco. Won't they do the same thing with marijuana? Well, with all of the different senators that I've spoken with or um, have heard 
you know, the bills that they've been trying to come out for legalizing adult use cannabis, they are trying to make it very similar to the medical marijuana program with the strict testing requirements and also keeping mind uh, safety with keeping it away from children, not advertising towards children. So it, it, they already have a really successful Pennsylvania medical marijuana program. So it would kind of be following in those footsteps. Now, I do have a question when it comes to like medical marijuana and legalization. We do see all these health benefits. And I've heard of the amazing stories that have happened using the oils that you can derive from marijuana, using the plant itself, not necessarily smoking it. Correct. When you see somebody like Bob Marley, who clearly was a pot smoker right. who died many a couple of years ago at any rate he died of brain cancer and lung cancer i believe right so if this fights if marijuana fights that how do you explain somebody like him like i, I just that's well, what confuses me i think some people are just uh, predisposed genetically to have certain cancers and the results on using cannabis for cancer are pretty preliminary However, they do show, like, especially when ingested, you know, rather than smoking, mm-hmm. it tends to help more with um, fighting cancer. It, it, it also depends which strains you're using. So unless you really are targeted in on the strains, the terpenes, the cannabinoids. So when we're talking recreational marijuana, are we then just talking smoking or are we talking the other types? I think that they would probably be adding in even edibles mm-hmm. similar to tinctures, you know, similar to, again, to the medical marijuana program. And now, when we talked the first time that we discussed this uh, between you and me, you were mentioning you're kind of worried about this becoming like a big box type of thing. Right. And what's your worry? Explain that to us. The worry is, is anytime you start speaking of these different bills, you have lobbyists that start to get involved. And these people are being paid to represent other people. And usually the multi-state operators or like larger big box corporations from out of state come in, pay people to try to get the bill kind of tailored to them. And that's what you end up seeing, like where it really should be more organized towards people in the state, like farmers, small, small business. But the people, the farmers in the small business don't have, they're not paying people to lobby for them. Mm. And that's where I come in. You know, I don't get paid. I'm volunteer. And I basically, I reach out to the different senators and different... So you don't have anything to line their pockets with yourself, though? No. Of course not, because you're not, you're you're marijuana, you're not pharmaceutical, of course. And that's that's a big difference there. People are really concerned, however, though, we'd be layering problem on top of problem. I'm sure you heard that interview, and I think that might be when we first talked. That even though marijuana, to some people, might seem less damaging than alcohol, Right. You're still adding a la- like, and I always say if alcohol could be legal, why don't we just legalize everything? Because alcohol, to me, is the root of all evil. Oh, I agree. Um, and even though I, you know, wouldn't mind having a drink here and there if I, my body would let me. Like every time I look at alcohol, it turns my stomach and just and it makes me tired. I, I just mentioned alcohol and I'm falling asleep on you. So well, you know, me personally, I uh, quit drinking three years ago because it just was not good for me. Right. You know, and it can be addicting, and it just leads your life down to. So good paths but with cannabis i've never had any problems making sure that everything was done Mm. with work with everything well people claim that it makes you lazy that you're like i don't care whatever 
I, again, I think that really depends on the strain that you're using. If you're only using it on the weekends and you're using an indica, it's going to make you want to sleep. It's going to make you want to just sit, sit around the house. Are there people that just use it on the weekends, really? Um, I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if you're, if you're more used to it, if your body's used to it, most people wouldn't even be able to tell if someone's using. And I've seen people who are perfectly um, normal business right. owners who you wouldn't know that they were going home and relaxing and having right. a couple hits. And then you've seen the people who look like they wandered off from Woodstock and never turned back and just kept wandering. And so it depends on what kind of marijuana you're doing, the strain. I mean, I think it depends on the person, too. I mean, even in the activist like space, you have what we call activists and then you have activists. The people mm-hmm. that are just basically just trying to get high off the rocker and, you know. From 9 in the morning to yeah. 9 at night or, yeah, and, and then sleeping the other 12 hours, yeah. Right, but I mean, I've seen cannabis patients that have to dose very high amounts of cannabis and you would never know that they're on anything, really, because their body, if you do that from morning to night, like, your body basically adjusts. It's kind of like, I, don't, I hate to compare it to, like, Percocets or something, but some people that have to be on high doses of without the effects of Percocets, though the effects are totally different. Oh yeah, oh yeah. When you're talking marijuana, and I have a friend, um, and I don't know if she's listening at the moment, uh, who made her mother the oil okay. when her mother had cancer, and basically they went down to the hospital, and the hospital said, "I don't know you did, but your cancer's gone." Awesome. Unfortunately, with the mother, however, um, she had already taken all the treatments and she ended up passing away from the damage done by the treatments. That's sad. And she just had, you know, her cancer was pretty horrible and they pretty much told them at that point there was nothing else they could do and that's when the daughter tried the other stuff but too, you know, too late. A little bit too late. Right. In the studio this morning, Jennifer Seek of Normal joining me. Normal of Philly. They are, well, how do you describe that or do you have the mission statement for the group? Well, NORMAL actually stands for the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. That that leads me to something. Everything, same thing with um, alcohol. Alcohol can affect your brain. Alcohol can affect a lot of things, but nobody seems to mind alcohol. That's what, what my biggest complaint. Right. Now, your, is this your manager's on the phone, I believe? Robert from Philadelphia. Yeah, he's the executive director of Philly Normal. Philly Normal. Yeah, and, and we, also, he's also the founder of Perfectly Normal. Perfectly. Okay. Hello, Robert. What do you say to these people who say we don't need no more dope heads around here? I agree. We don't need any more dope heads here, but perfectly normal people will take plenty of those. You can be normal and smoke pot. I, I don't understand why people don't take offense about alcohol, They obviously, because that's been perfectly normal for many years, even before prohibition, and prohibition didn't work, so they were going to uh, throw a fit over marijuana. Uh, that's what I don't understand. I think you probably understand how much money is involved in the advertising and how long has uh, alcohol been out of prohibition. Well, yes, true. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. Just really that simple. Uh, but one of the reasons why I called in is I was wondering, Jen, why you chose to get involved. And also, if you heard about this glass wall out in California and how that could affect you. I actually was looking online for more resources because I own property in Schuylkill County. And I want to use my property as a craft growing facility. And it's, it's zoned agricultural and it's the perfect setup by five acres out there. I didn't know where to even start to be able to get a business. And I was online. 
I ended up seeing that there were these meetings for Perfectly Normal. And I got onto the meeting. And when I got in the meeting, I actually saw some familiar faces, politicians from our area, on the meetings as well. So I just kept going to the meetings. And they've just been such an amazing resource for, for me, really, to try to get into this a small business of my own. In regards to the glass house... In California right now, there are facilities right now that are bigger than several, I don't know, I think it was like 100 football stadiums, one facility growing cannabis. And you got to realize when you're growing on that scale, you're not really able to pay attention to the details good. In my opinion, the quality is just not as good. For the consumer, it's not good. But then also, when you have one person who's growing that amount of product, you're actually cutting out like... There's not as much room then for the small businesses and the farmers to get involved. And now there will be different strains then too, as far as the, the different growers or the big bigger farms can do more varieties, or is it just is, is it just marijuana right across the board? Depending on the license that you get, you're permitted to grow so much canopy space. And then if you are Robert, what would you call those? Well, my understanding is, and my concern is, in California, A, this is being run by ex-law enforcement, and B, what it would do to small business in Pennsylvania, because as it is, there's no shortage of cannabis in Pennsylvania now. Mm-hmm. We have barely enough room for the small business. 100 football fields, Jen, what do you think? How would that affect your ability to be in business? Well, it would basically cut me right out of my business. If you have somebody with that amount of money to start with and then trying to me small business trying to compete it just wouldn't work and how have the senators treated you thus far in your area and all your representatives aside from philly how have they treated you i've had different responses i mean i've i've had some that are really getting back to me right away and very understanding i've had others that i've had to call the office numerous times there are some that i've called eight times or more through email through calling i'm very persistent and I still haven't gotten any information. Were, were you allowed to participate in the last hearings when Pennsylvania was deciding how we were going to go? Did you try to participate? I in tried. Senator Regan is one of the senators that is trying to uh, do a legalization bill. I'm very excited. I was very excited just to, to hear about it. I wanted to know more. I don't know. For maybe three months, I went back and forth with the people at his office for scheduling. And when they actually had the hearings, they did not invite any locals. Everybody that was invited to testify at the hearings were from out of state, and they were all people that were involved with these large corporations. So that bill is not looking out for small business. They're looking out for the large, big pocket people. And, and that's part of our concern right now yeah. is we're looking at the legalization. But I think we need to go step one first and get it legalized. Right. But one in, one in step two, which was making sure it protects the small business. Who running do you know is on your side right now? Senator Street is uh, a Democrat from Philadelphia. And then you also have Senator Dan Laughlin, who's a Republican out of um, Erie, Pennsylvania. They both, everything that they've been saying so far, pretty much goes with what I stand for. Anything here in Northeast PA? Anybody? Right now, I'm trying to think if there's anybody. Yeah, not not really in our direct area. Now, let me ask you this, Robert. Um, Some people will tell you that if you look at the arrests in... Colorado, the DUIs that they now have in Colorado, everything like that is up, violence due to marijuana. Have you seen any statistics on this? Well, right now, currently, the statistics in Pennsylvania are actually very difficult. It's ver- We have tried to distinguish between DUI from alcohol and cannabis right now is not recorded in Pennsylvania's track record. 
and we don't even understand why, because we're taxpayers, we don't have access to those records anyway. For some reason, they're private. But that being said, what it really comes down to is an, it's, a, it's an impairment issue. With alcohol, you know, we have a test, you have a line. But we also know that someone who has been drinking alcohol steadily throughout their life they can probably drink a six-pack and still walk the line. There so, are some, yeah. There are some people like that. Well, here's the problem, Nikki, too. And I just want to re- I want to remind you that when alcohol withdrawal people die, as if, as an employer, and I work with, unfortunately, folks that are in uh, lower um, income levels and that were uh, exposed to alcohol as a child. They've been drinking all their life. And I would tell you, when they came to my job sober, I was like, who is that person? I don't want to know anything, but what I'm saying to you is if that person were to withdraw from their alcohol usage, they were definitely capable of dying. That doesn't happen with cannabis. So back to your original question, it's always about an impairment issue. And even Colorado and California, they do not have right now that we all have agreed upon a method of impairment that's agreed. And that's why you have 600,000 people right now with marijuana cards and Pennsylvania who think that they are safe driving around with their cannabis card and every single one of these 600,000 people who have a Pennsylvania certified card are completely DUI unless they stop for 30 days and do not use cannabis. So what sense would it make to have a cannabis card and not use cannabis for 30 days? I would worry about maybe some of these wolves in sheep clothing in our government wanting to pass this through as a way to get guns off of more people. So Yes, Robert, that's where we're going to go. Uh, we run a booth in Philadelphia. It's free of charge. We have two locations in Philadelphia. It's at free of charge every weekend, and we talk with folks about the issues that you just spoke about. The first issue regarding how the program will work, recreational, you will pay a tax when you go to the dispensary. As on the, If you're just going medically, you'll be exempt from the tax. So that's really going to be the difference. Is that If you're a medical patient, you use your card, you'll be exempt from the tax. And then regarding about losing your job, in Philadelphia, we testified against folks being let go from their jobs if they test positive for cannabis. So in Philadelphia, we have an actual ordinance now that protects those folks. But if somebody were to get in an accident, the, the truth of the matter is that he's in, that, that nurse is in trouble. Now, getting to the gun situation, and this is just the way it goes. When you go to apply for your gun permit, it asks you in, right in the beginning of the permit, do you use illegal drugs? So the answer would plain and simple be that if you're getting your gun permit, you don't use those drugs. Right, so you because you have a Pennsylvania no. medical marijuana card. It's not illegal. Well, you wouldn't have a penalty. Thank you, Jen. You would not have or possess a, pe- a Pennsylvania marijuana card. So when somebody's going to get their gun permit, either let your medical marijuana card expire or do not have a medical marijuana card. Because if you do try to get your gun permit, you will be committing perjury. So what you do is you get your gun permit first. Then that permit's good for five years, and your medical card is good for one year. I'm not telling someone what to do, but if I had a gun, if I had a gun and then I went to go get my medical card, my medical card doesn't ask me, do I have a gun? So on my card, medical card, it doesn't ask me if I have a gun, so there's no perjury, and it expires every year. Do we have any... To our knowledge... To our knowledge, nobody has ever come and collected guns because when you enter into the marijuana system, you are HIPAA protected. So that would mean if somebody came and got your gun, that would be a HIPAA violation, which then would open that person who says to turn back your gun to a lawsuit. Is there any stats on people gun use and marijuana? 
anywhere? The only stats that uh, what I do know of is that they re they've taken it away from the mandatory minimum sentencing. So before, if you had marijuana in your house and you had a gun, you had a mandatory minimum of five years in jail. Now it's been removed. Now, if you have marijuana in your house and a gun, they're just separate incidents altogether. What is it that you want people to understand the most about marijuana being legalized and what can people do? Robert or Jennifer, which one of you would like to take this question? Okay. Go ahead, Jen. Well, I think first off, uh, from my perspective would just be that if it is legalized, it gives a lot of opportunities for small business and farmers to make money in Pennsylvania. Mm, that's a good option. And you, Robert, is that the same? Let me just start off by saying there are walkers and talkers in this world. And Jen is one of the most unbelievable gals I've ever met. I mean, she came to me uh, wanting to know about how she could get involved in the industry and I told her that in Pennsylvania you have next to zero odds. And Jen has been steadfast, volunteering, organizing, and one of the best uh, persons I've ever worked with in the last two to three years. And I can tell you that her commitment to wanting to be involved in this small business is absolutely, I've never seen any dedication like it. What fears me the most is that the politicians that we elect, and we elect them to serve us, are just railroading what Jen stands mm -hmm. for. And what also concerns me is that people are sleeping and not holding their other politicians accountable. Do you think that things are going to be outpriced as far as uh, marijuana goes? Some people say now it is because the, you have to pay to get that card. You have right. to pay your doctor to, to sign off on the card. And then I don't know how much they're paying. I don't know how much, you know, the value of it. Is it going to be like buying Cuervo gold every time you go to the... No, I, I think once it becomes legalized everywhere, it'll be a little bit more affordable. Also, you won't have that barrier with having to apply, pay the $200 plus $50 every year just to re-register. And but then the medical marijuana people who absolutely, for a medical reason, uh, will they still have to have a card? Yes. I, they, I They'll always have a medical market. Oh, because, because with the medical market, you're also, when you go into that building, you're going to have a pharmacist there. So if you have questions, you know, you're always going to have a little bit more guidance. And I believe they might even, it, none, none of this is written in stone yet because we don't have a legalized market yet, but I believe they're going to continue to have higher THC percentages in the medical market where they might end up capping it possibly in the adult use market. Okay. When you're talking about them having the medical marijuana card, though, will some people say it's not worth paying the um, money I paid to the doctor's office to get approval? Why don't I just go to the recreational? Because of the THC levels, is that... Yeah, I think you're going to find different consumers are going to be more motivated to go either the medical route or you're going to be more motivated to go to the recreational route. People that just want to have a little bit more guidance are going to continue to go to the medical route. And then you're also going to still get that tax break by going the medical route. You are not getting paid by normal to do this, though your end game is you have a farm and you'd like to grow. Right, correct. All right. Just uh, some people, you, and you're always going to get the negative, and I'm sure you know that already. Sounds like those people are pushing for more pot skulls. Let them get a real job, but what, what, you have no problem with alcohol. That's the thing that bothers me. Right. I want you to explain to people why in your research is marijuana illegal in the first place? When did it become illegal? 
hundreds of years ago, we were using the hemp product for industrials, and it was uh, very oh. good for paper products. For And a lot of people tell you that the reason it's illegal has nothing to do with it being a drug. What they're going to tell you is it has a lot to do with the textile industry. Right, correct. The DuPonts and, you know, the people who had their, their money in the plastics and stuff like that and, and anything the hemp could replace. Yeah. You know, here's another thing coming in. Alcohol is so bad for you compared to cannabis. Could we do an alcohol cannabis debate? Of course we could. You know, and yeah. I'm sure if you go toe-to-toe alcohol to cannabis, but other people say, but you're going to layer problems because there is still brain damage, you know, the slowing in the brain that can be done by the cannabis. You can't teach people moderation. That's right, the problem. But you know, cannabis in of itself is not, it's not really addictive. I mean, if you have an addictive personality, you will see that. It's very easy to say no to cannabis. Your body doesn't go through withdrawal with cannabis. I mean, you can just, you can easily use as much as you want for a month and then just stop. And other than like mentally thinking, well, it'd be nice to kind of relax tonight and not have that there for you. Your body is not going to have any physical symptoms that require you to go to the hospital. Where with alcohol, if you stop after using heavily, you can die. I mean, sorry. You can't overdose on cannabis either. So like I've been told that wasn't true. I don't think you can physically consume as much as you would need to. There's been no examples of anybody overdose on cannabis. Nikki, please ask Jennifer to provide a legitimate reason to anyone who is healthy to use marijuana. I can definitely give you an answer for that one. Because I am the mother of seven children. I have uh, two stepdaughters that are ages uh, 20 and 18. And five of your own? Five of my own, and starting from 14 down to nine months. And my biggest concern is safety, right? I would not hesitate to tell my child when they turn 18 or even sooner if they just say they're having seizures, that if they were stressed, if they were having anxiety, I would never want them to turn to alcohol because that's a lot of what happens. People aren't diagnosed with these disorders like depression, anxiety, and they go and self-medicate with alcohol. They become addicted and their life just goes nowhere, right? Mm -hmm. But I would never hesitate. My um, stepdaughter, when she was 18, I took her and got her medical marijuana card immediately, because she was having depression. She tried pharmaceuticals, and they were just giving her terrible side effects. She wasn't feeling like herself. So I took her immediately to get her card, and she was doing great. So, yes, firsthand, I would do this to, for my children, and I feel very safe with my children using cannabis. Where can they go get more information on this? You could definitely go to um, phillynormal.org, and that's where you can find uh, more information about Philly Normal. And then also Perfectly Normal, that's um, spelled N O R. M-A-L for perfectly normal dot info. If you want to get more involved, um, we have meetings that they were going on every Thursday night, but now we're going to be switching to Wednesday nights. But to get more information, if you want um, any more resources, we can help you. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 